The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. It's episode 79, what? Of the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. A little bit of background, the story that I am going to tell today, and I don't even know uh, who's going first, is not the story that I had originally planned. Uh And uh, I sent the story that I was going to tell to JG and said, what do you think of this? Because I was on the fence. And uh, JG agreed, yeah, probably, well, he didn't agree. He actually said, I don't, I don't think this is the best idea. <laughs> and I was on the fence about it. And so rather than tell a bad story, I'm just going to say to people, wear your damn seatbelts. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. It, it, it was not a bad story. It just... It didn't end well, and it was, it was irony, but it wasn't entertaining. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, his demise was ironic, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a story about a guy who was very anti uh, seatbelt. Didn't think the government should be able to tell us to wear seatbelts in cars, and he, mm. he ended up dying in a car accident. He because was the he only wasn't one not wearing, wearing a seatbelt. Seat belt. Yeah, yeah. So I found a much funnier story instead. I'm looking forward to hearing. By the it. way, did you know that 15,000 people in America die every year from not wearing seatbelts? I did not know that. 15,000. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of funerals and preventable. So damn it people, wear your seatbelt. We don't ask a lot of you other than to subscribe and give us a five-star review and tell your friends, but we're going <laughs> to add to that and wear your, your damn, damn seatbelt. Seat <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Would you like to go first, Linz? Well, since I've already talked so much, maybe I should just jump in to the story. I'm listening. The only unfortunate thing here, JG, is that I do not have the name of the guy involved in the story because he was a patient at a hospital for, for reasons that will become clear. Okay. So in order to tell the story, I've come up with a nickname for him, <laughs> okay. which is... Drunky fight guy. <laughs> I think we all okay. know drunky fight guy. 
Drunky Fight Guy. Some people call him DFG, but I prefer Drunky Fight Guy. Get down with DFG. All we know is that he's 35 years old and the story takes place in a city in north central Vietnam called Dong Hoi. And that's uh, that's actually on the uh, on the ocean. It's kind of a coastal coastal area. And judging by the map, it looks like it would be a very pretty, uh, pretty place to live. So the tale of Drunky Fight Guy actually starts months ago. In fact, it was in the summer. It was five five months ago. And we do know, even though we don't know his name, that Drunky Fight Guy liked to get his drink on. He loved him some bars and some music. And after a couple of cocktails, you know, what are you looking at? And uh, and he would sometimes end up in fistfights after a, a night of drinking and... I'm guessing because it was summertime, it was maybe a little warm, and he'd had a few too many cold ones, whatever that was. But we do know that that fight that he got into last summer was severe enough that he ended up being taken to the ER. Wow. Uh, So he's injured, he's taken to the hospital, and they examine him. But what's interesting is that they couldn't find anything wrong with him. Nothing out of the ordinary. And he explains, yeah, I got in this fight and, you know, we were punching each other in the head. And and so the doctor essentially says, well, yeah, you got punched in the head, so your head's going to hurt for a while. <laughs> if I were you, I would take some aspirin and and quit fighting people. And and by the way, wear your seatbelt, he probably added. <laughs> And please but subscribe we're guessing, of course, and, they... and give us a five-star review. <laughs> and, and give that shallow end podcast in the United States a positive review. Uh, but we're guessing that the doctor said all of that in Vietnamese because, you know, it's it was in, it's in It was Vietnam in Dong Ho. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love. I love that name. Dong Ho. I do, too. It re- actually reminds me of uh, the original Hawaii Five-O. Uh, remember... Cam Fong, Cam Fong as Chin Ho. Yeah, Chin Ho. That was it. Yeah. Oh, that was always my favorite favorite character name, Cam Fong as Chin Ho. And I remember thinking, you really had to change that name to make it sound more... <laughs> Cam Fong is, is better. I like Cam, Cam Fong. Cam Fong doesn't work, but Chin Ho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this brings us actually to uh, to just a few weeks ago and... Drunky Fight Guy had been struggling for weeks with some weird symptoms. And I should probably say that that this is this is just short of, if not actually on the line of of being a, a trigger warning. OK, because uh, because these symptoms are kind of grim. It's it's not just the severe headaches. That was that was bad enough. These these were awful, awful headaches. But what's more, after a while, this guy actually had. Uh, fluid buildup and and discharge from both his nose and his eyes. Ooh. And and he's even, at times, experiencing loss of vision. I mean, he would temporarily go almost blind. Mm. So just just last week, uh, Drunky Fight Guy, (laughs) I wish I knew how to say that. I should have at least researched how to say that in Vietnamese (laughs) to to give it more authenticity. Sure. Drunky, drunky fight guy has his family take him to a hospital in Donghoi called the Cuba Friendship Hospital, which I think is a is a is a cool name. And there, the doctors do uh, CT scans 
And they reveal that this man, drunky fight guy, is suffering from tension pneumocephalus, which, you know, what what the hell is that? It doesn't sound good. It doesn't. It doesn't. I would rather have a doctor say, you just have a cold, (laughs) you know, aspirin and sucrets. Mm -hmm. But tension pneumocephalus, I think, I don't. I don't know. Well, I looked it up, and uh, it is a thankfully rare, but it's a potentially life-threatening neurological condition, and it's defined by a dangerous increase in what they call intracranial pressure, okay. which is the pressure of your brain uh, essentially swelling against, as I understand it, your skull, gotcha. which is not good. No. It's it's just again, you know, aspirin and secrets ain't gonna ain't gonna no. fix that. So as I said, they they order these CT scans, they come back and and they've diagnosed the condition, this this tension pneumocephalus, but they're flummoxed when they're staring at these CT scans. And and you can picture this, these doctors staring at at these scans that have come back and then actually <laughs> looking at each other and as if to say uh do you see what i see here am i you know kind of rubbing their eyes like is that is that really is that really what what's what's there how do you say flummoxed in vietnamese i should have looked up that and drunky fight guy <laughs> i am clearly ill prepared to do this podcast and my apologies for for not doing a better job because that would have been a great a great word to pull out of the pull out of the hair pull out of the air anyway suddenly all his symptoms make sense and here's here's the real trigger alert because the unusual source of drunky fight guy's sim- symptoms Running up his nose and into his brain is a pair of, so not just one, but two chopsticks. Ah! Chopsticks in his brain. Oh, my God. What the H, right? Now, was it one up each nostril or two in one? I couldn't quite tell from the from the CT scan. We might end up putting it in uh, in the the page mm. so so that people can can see this. But the 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 doctor who's the head of uh, neurosurgery at Cuba Friendship Hospital put it in a very understated way. He said, and I quote. This is very rare. <laughs> yeah, I think we should be glad for that, right? Certainly am. And now he um, he says that drunky fight guy is is equally confused by this. He doesn't remember how the chopsticks got in his brain, up his nose and into his brain. And the doctors say, "Well, do you remember any kind of of?" interaction with with anybody like maybe a disgruntled diner uh, something yeah you know anything at all unusual and and at first he's thinking about it and he and he can't figure out how these eating utensils ended up in his in his brain and he says again in vietnamese i don't know beats me but then he thinks back to the summertime and that barroom brawl that he'd been involved in 
five full months before when he got he got fist slinging drunk and ended up fighting some stranger. Now, he says to the doctors he didn't remember any details from that brawl, but apparently that night uh, he had said to police, quote, someone stabbed me in the face with an unknown object. Okay. So he remembered being stabbed in the face, but he didn't remember with what. He didn't remember anything really other than, yeah, I I think I got stabbed in the face that night five months ago. The, The weird part is when he reported to the hospital that night, you know, in the summer, the night of that fight, doctors didn't find anything abnormal. They examined him. They didn't see see any chopsticks. I guess they didn't do a CT scan or they probably would have seen these, which makes me think that somebody kind of dropped the ball. But I have to wonder, you know, he remembers being stabbed in the face. So, okay, that explains how the chopsticks got in his nose. But did the perpetrator then proceed to, like, push them up above his nasal line so that... Be, because how? maybe that was it how maybe the maybe the uh the other guy drunky fight guys uh enemy saw the the chopsticks and thought well that doesn't look very good i better force them out of view yes push them up so that you yeah. know Ugh. so that people don't realize yeah yeah good lord and they were in there for five months that's what's amazing to me is this guy had been living with these chopsticks up his nose into his brain for five months. 100 and, 150 days. Oh, man. Now, thankfully, the doctors were able to remove the chopsticks. They, they did an endoscopic uh, surgical procedure, and then they did more microsurgery to seal what is called the fistula, which is the connection between the artery and vein in the brain and spinal cord tissue. So this is, this is you know, this is serious stuff. This is not outpatient stuff. He is still, uh, as, as near as I can tell, in the hospital, but expected to make a full recovery. That's really amazing. Five months with chopsticks in your brain. And another reason why I always eat my Chinese food with a fork <laughs> and not chopsticks, because yeah. it's it's much tougher to not notice a fork in your That's brain, right. at, least, at least to me. Especially if somebody tries to jam it handily in, you know, you've got the little right. prongs sticking out. And that's a telltale sign to any medical professional. You don't even need a CT scan to no, say, there's, hey, I think you've got a fork in your <laughs> you, nose. <laughs> you've got cutlery in your nasal passage. Those wily uh, chopsticks are, you yeah. know, they're, they're, they're slippery. They'll, they'll disappear on you. You can't trust <laughs> Good them. Lord. So, kids, no fighting, no chopsticks up your opponent's nose. And again, wear your, your damn seatbelt. <laughs> and subscribe and give us a five star rating. Give us a five star oh, rating and positive Just review. Pandering. Got this from the New York Post and Metro.uk. Chopsticks up the nose. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps... You're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Area of Media Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. For years, he's been one of America's premier storytellers on NBC News. His signature voice on Dateline, reporting stories of strange events and horrific crimes, has made him a living legend. Now, for the first time ever, you can enjoy Keith Morrison's spoken word Christmas songs, told by the man himself and delivered with intriguing twists and turns as only Keith can deliver them. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Or is he? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. But what do we really know about Rudolph before he joined up with Santa? I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. But do we know what was aboard those ships? And who was really at the wheel? And why only three ships? Were there more than we thought? Your favorite seasonal songs retold in a whole new way. Just in time for the holidays. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. But oh, that was much more than just a kiss. Keith Morrison's Spoken Word Christmas Songs, available on CD and download. It's the most wonderful time of the year. At least, that's what it appeared to be at first. Keith Morrison's Spoken Word Christmas Songs. Celebrity voice impersonated? Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. And if memory serves, JG, it's been that way since episode one. Since the uh, core of the earth was molten lava. Wait, no, it still is, isn't it? Never mind. Maybe since dinosaurs roamed the, uh, the planet. That's right. Yeah. That would have been cool if we would have gotten email from dinosaurs, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm a T-Rex. <laughs> Just want to let you know how much I enjoyed your show. They, how would they type? I mean, a T-Rex, sure, because they've got the little claws, but uh, like yeah, a brontosaurus, yeah. would he have to use... I was just going to say brontosaurus. Like speech to text, probably. Yeah. Would be the only way. Maybe type with his nose. Although that would hit probably two of the keys. <laughs> Cat's like, once. you're talking about T-Rex? She comes thundering <laughs> up the stairs.
She loves her some T-Rex. We're speculating on how dinosaurs would send emails. <laughs> she doesn't have any insight. Okay. <laughs> this comes to us from a listener named Peg. I love that name, Peg, because it always makes me think of Steely Dan. Makes me think and, of pirates. Uh, that makes total sense. Peg writes, Cat, Jethro, and Lindsay. I love, love, love Box of Oddities and now The Shallow End. I've had at least one boo effect, but didn't want to swim back through 500 plus episodes to find the associated <laughs> one. Your stories and comments make me laugh. Sometimes they make me say, me too, or exactly. Such as your recent explanation of using plastic bread bags over your feet when putting on boots. Yes. Now, I don't know if people remember this. This was JG explaining how, as a kid growing up in Maine, uh, you would you would do that in the uh, the mud room. Yeah, well, it was of, called the, uh, of your school? the cloak room because it was like this Victorian era, almost like Dickensian type of building. You expected to see street urchins outside begging for money. <laughs> um, right. And uh, yeah, they called the room where we left our jackets and our boots the cloak room. Still, even though no one had worn a cloak for a century. Or so. Or so. Yeah. So uh, Peg totally relates to uh, to the bread bags over the feet when putting on boots. Then she adds, Jethro Gilligan-Toth, I love your name. And it makes me think your parents must have loved those 1960s TV shows <laughs> like Beverly Hillbillies uh, and Gilligan's yeah, Island, which was my personal favorite. I would love to hear the story of how you were gifted with your name. Thanks, Peg. I just woke up and a nurse was taking care of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure the decision-making process there. Um, but yes, my, my parents were big Sherwood Schwartz fans. I remember your story, speaking of Gilligan, about uh, meeting Bob Denver when you were in Phoenix. Which, which a... version? Because... <laughs> I think I heard the version that wasn't necessarily... Ready for yeah, air. But, yeah, Bob uh, Denver. We, <laughs> I'll just talk about this this little part. Uh, Bob Denver was living in Vegas at the time. Of course, Bob Denver played Gilligan on Gilligan's Island, and radio station I worked for in Phoenix was hosting the world's largest beach indoor beach party, where they trucked in truck after truck of sand and dumped it on the dance room right. floor. Um, <laughs> and so we hired Bob Denver. To come down and host it and he was as i said in vegas and so it's a short flight to phoenix and so he just wore his gilligan outfit on the plane to the event uh, which would have alarmed me if i was a co-passenger first of all i look over hell yes there's gilligan uh is this flight gonna end well or am i gonna be trapped on an island making radios out of coconuts how many cocktails have I had because I swear Gilligan just got on my plane? <laughs> so we pick him up at a limo and uh, he does the event and his flight doesn't, his return flight doesn't leave for a few hours. And so he's, he's like, well, what can we do? And we said, well, we've got a limo. Let's drive you around and we'll, we'll have a couple of beers. And yeah, I had a beer with, with, with Gilligan um, and show you the city. And so we get to Camelback Mountain, which has this beautiful sure. view of, of the Phoenix yeah. Valley, the Valley of the Sun. Very iconic. It is. 
And we're standing up there, and it's like a rest stop area kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> Bob Denver says, I got to pee. And so he goes over <laughs> on the other side of the limo, and he's peeing, Doing his business. peeing off the edge of the cliff. And just right. as we did that, some park authority people, security people, pull in and get out and uh, are really upset that there's somebody urinating off the side of the cliff, but we're shocked to find out it was Gilligan still wearing his hat. Yeah. He had his red shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. So right. that was a story I'm sure that they told their kids. And I'm guessing they didn't, they didn't write him a no, citation. They thought it was hilarious. It's Gilligan. Yeah. They posed for yeah. photos with him pretending to pee. I hope he zipped up before they yes. took the photos. Yeah, they, he, he did. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Although I can't say for certain. Bob Denver was smart that way. <laughs> <laughs> JG, I am so jazzed to talk about Wild Grain. Tonight, I am very excited because Nancy and I are grilling steaks and having some delicious Wild Grain Sourdough Bread. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. And unlike typical supermarket bread, Wild Grain uses this really cool slow fermentation process that's easier on your belly, it's lower in sugar, and it's rich in nutrients and antioxidants. And there's constantly new stuff being added. Uh, new seasonal and limited time special items to try. One of the many cool things about Wild Grain, every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. That's fast. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash TSE and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. It's it's easy to reschedule. You can skip or you can cancel. It's just a very, very simple yet delicious process. Like JG said, wildgrain.com slash TSE. Choose which type of box you want to receive, how often. It's easy to reschedule, skip, or cancel. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off your first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TSE to start your subscription. He's telling the truth. You heard him right. Free croissants in every box, $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TSE. That's wildgrain.com slash TSE, or you can choose promo code TSE at checkout. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your friendly lifeguard with a public service announcement. Stay out of the fucking deep end. You're in the shallow end with Schnappley and Tall. Tell me a story, uh, my friend. Right. It was in January of 2021 that this happened. Once upon a time in a quiet, unassuming Oxford neighborhood of Botley, uh, where hmm. most of the excitement 
you'd usually get would be maybe a heated debate over the best way to prune your rose bushes. Uh, A guy named Frank Cordy. He was a 72-year-old man, twinkle in his eye, found himself in a bit of a pickle. It was a morning like any other. The birds were chirping. The English sky, a standard shade of gray. And Frank probably contemplating whether to have toast or crumpets for breakfast. Sure. Gregory McCallium, who was a local bartender with a taste for trouble, and as it turns out, a rather poor understanding of his neighborhood's demographic, decided to add a bit of, quote, excitement to Frank's day. Okay. Okay. So Gregory, who lived nearby, had been throwing uh, what we in the biz call a rager the night before. Or in Maine, we would call it a rager. A rager. A rager. Uh, Bobby, stop throwing rages. <laughs> T- to quote JFK. Um, yeah, yeah. Looks flush to me. Looks uh, flush to me. <laughs> Bobby, uh, get me some more uh, chowder. Anyway, um, the night before, he'd, he'd had this huge party. And it was very, very loud. And somebody had called the cops on him. And they'd shut the party down. So... Gregory believed our guy Frank was the snitch, and Gregory did what any self-respecting villain in a poorly written crime drama would do. He (laughs) concocted a plan of revenge. Of course he did. A plan that would have him breaking into Frank's house that very morning. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. To confront him over calling the cops. So Gregory, our misguided uh, marauder, uh, after being shut down by the cops for noise pollution, waited until the next morning, pegs Frank as his uh, pegs Frank, his senior citizen neighbor, as the party pooper, and fueled by what we can only assume was a potential cocktail of pride and party leftovers, uh, Gregory right. <laughs> decides. <laughs> To do his best impression of a B-grade action movie villain. So he chooses, of course, Broad Daylight for his sinister sequel because, well... No sense doing that under cover of darkness. No, no, I want everybody to see me. So <laughs> he breaks in at 8 a.m. Maybe he believed the early bird catches the worm or in this case, the early bird assaults a little old man and his wife. I'm not sure. Or maybe... Frank would still be asleep. Yeah, maybe. He'd have the element of surprise. Yeah. Now, Frank, whose idea of an early morning surprise is finding his favorite slippers worn by the radiator, uh, was about (laughs) it was about to redefine the term wake up call for him. As Gregory sneaks in armed with what was described later as a six bladed knuckle duster. Holy cow. Because apparently when you go to intimidate a septuagenarian, you you go big or you go home. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. But he didn't realize, Gregory, that is, the intruder, what a huge mistake he had just made. (laughs) Because our bartender bandit, he makes his presence known with all the subtlety of a bull in a china shop. The commotion draws Frank downstairs where he's greeted Not by the usual British politeness from a neighbor, but a knife-wielding wannabe tough guy. Sure. And a scuffle ensued. But here's the thing our intruder didn't know about his feeble senior citizen neighbor. Frank was a former junior boxing champion 
and still a bit handy oh with his fists. Good for Frank. So the intruder lunged at Frank with his knife. Frank dodged the slash and delivered not one, but two thunderous right hooks to Gregory's head, who by now was yeah. probably regretting a lot of his life choices. <laughs> Go, Frank. Frank's fists, still bound by muscle memory of his youth, dropped Gregory like a sack of turnips. <laughs> and then left him looking like he had gone 10 rounds with a Mack nice. truck. Oh, I love Frank. I'm sure the word rematch probably was permanently <laughs> struck from Gregory's vocabulary. Um, the court would later hear all of the details where the Honorable Judge Angela Morris basically tells Gregory he's lucky Frank didn't go full Rocky on him. Um, <laughs> in an article in the Daily Mail, the transcript of Frank's testimony in court records reads like this. Mr. Cordy, uh, the accused produced a knife. It was no ordinary knife. It was more like a six-bladed knuckle buster. He made a slashing mo a movement at me. I stepped back. He missed me, fortunately. When McCallum was off balance, I grabbed both of his wrists and managed to pin him against the wall. <laughs> he <laughs> I demanded he drop his knife, but he wouldn't. I shouted to my wife to ring the police. I was absolutely terrified. As I saw it, it was a matter of do or die. So I let his wrists go. Fortunately, the element of surprise was with, was with me. So I adjusted my position and I let him have it with my right hand. It was yeah. just below the eye. I didn't knock him out, Ooh. but he was stunned. I heard the knife clatter to the floor. We, we grappled. I was trying to drag him out the back door. We both fell to the floor. I had to subdue him by punching him again, which I did not take a great deal of pleasure in. How very British. <laughs> Don't wish to be rude about punching the man, but he did start things, didn't he? He did. So the jury, the jury hears this uh, story, and uh, the Gregory's defense amnesia i don't remember doing that but of course hmm. no one is buying what he's selling especially not when you look at his face <laughs> it shows like you know he just came out of a car crash right you right. ought to see his mugshot i'll show it to you oh i bet i'd love to see in it. the blue corner weighing in a lifetime of wisdom and right hooks that uh, should be considered a national treasure frank stands vindicated the jury's verdict Gregory's taking a time out in the clink for a solid four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, Frank's just Frank's just worried about what's for dinner and whether he'll have time for a quick nap before Antique Roadshow is on. <laughs> four and a half years. He got four and a half. And so Gregory acquaints himself with his new less than cozy accommodations, and Frank and his wife Margaret can finally enjoy some peace and quiet. Well, until the next foolhardy soul decides to test the theory that age is just a number. Uh, spoiler alert. It's a number that packs a punch in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Best not to settle your differences with your fists. Yeah. Or your, your pointy knives breaking into your neighbor's house.
In the words of Frank, who has probably become Botley's most unexpected celebrity, if he had to, he'd do it all over again. And who can blame Damn him, right really? I mean, if somebody... Damn right he yeah, would. I, I love it when people think they're going to take advantage of a senior citizen, and then they just get the yeah. snot knocked out of them. My guess is Frank will not have to buy a pint of ale for the rest of his <laughs> no. life because every time he walks into a bar, I know if I were in a pub and he walks in, I am so buying that guy a oh, pint. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're his neighbor and you know the guy and you know the yeah. jerk that tried to assault him. He, that, that guy yeah, was probably not very popular with, with, uh, with his neighbors. But, you know, when you're a guy like Frank, you spent a lifetime learning how to dance the sweet science. And uh, you don't hang your gloves up just because <laughs> the calendar's a bit full. Uh, so, yeah, right. well, let's raise a pint to Frank, who taught us God. that... God bless, God bless you. You can't judge a book by its cover, especially if that book is a leather bound, fist throwing tome of Don't Mess With Me. <laughs> Frank is my new favorite Brit. The moral of the story uh, never underestimate a man who can throw a punch and was known one time as Frank the Fist. It's just not wise. Yeah, yeah. Good for Frank. Great story. And so that uh, puts a wrap on this round. That wraps up this round of uh, when burglars <laughs> bite off more than they can chew. Uh, yeah. My source information, the Daily Mail, the New York Daily News, and the Guardian. Frank the Fist. I love that name. Give it up for Frank the Fist. Yeah. Now I hear the theme from Rocky in my head. I'm looking at his boxing picture, and it looks like probably it was like in the 50s or something, you know, when he was at his uh-huh. at his peak. But he was a junior boxing champ. And then you've got the picture of Gregory. Let me show you this picture, mm-hmm. Lens. So, yeah, check. <laughs> I love this photo because it's it's the, uh, the perpetrator's uh, mugshot. Next to a picture of Frank superimposed is this this dear little sweet old man just kicked the crap out of this kid. God bless Frank. Man, that kid had it coming. Boy, he did. That and four and a half years. (laughs) Good for them. Good for them. Good for the court. We always love hearing from you guys. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. That is and has been for quite some time and will continue to be, hopefully, for All quite some time. All the way back time. to the dinosaurs. Ever since the Mesozoic era. Which is odd that you think that we're, we've only done 79 episodes. I mean, if you stretch that all the way back to the Mesozoic era, that's that's not very much. Two hundred million years, and it took us seventy nine. It took us two hundred yeah. two hundred million years to do seventy nine episodes. Are we a couple of slackers or what? Uh, maybe we're just very particular. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe about it, exactly what what we put out. It has to be just right before we record the next one. We're all about the quality that's, control. Absolutely. Hey, we'll see you next time, and uh, continue to make good choices. Your life, your chopsticks, your boxing gloves might depend on So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. 
Oké, okay, gotta go.